0: Welcome to the Fellowship College Podcast. You will not finish this episode. <laughs> well, last week we talked about how the kingdom of God, if you are a follower of Jesus, it is going to affect all of your relationships, both friendships, dating relationships, maybe even your familial relationships. And I feel like a lot of people are like, okay, yeah, you can get get on board with that. Today might trigger a few people. And so this is your this is your trigger warning that if you are very comfortable with the life that you currently have, if you if you uh, don't want to be challenged or convicted, this would be a really, really good time to go listen to some Taylor Swift or some, some other podcast because I have been avoiding this episode myself because <laughs> it is so convicting for me. And so today we're kind of just piggybacking off of what we talked about last week, how, how we are going to become more like Jesus and start to do the things that he did and how following Jesus affects every single part of our life. And the aspect that we're going to talk about today is like money, possessions, you could even throw in your plan that you have for your life or how you define a a successful career or retirement or all those things. We're going to lump in today and see how the kingdom of God shapes the way we view those things. And so because we're talking about money, if y'all had unlimited money, you know, These days, there's so many people that there's so many ways to make a lot of money really easily. I mean, I can think about one, the tech space. My wife is kind of in the tech space. She's a recruiter and she places people with these like $600,000 jobs a year. And it's like, but it's just, there's so many of those now because the tech industry is just exploding. Or if you think about content creators and YouTube and Instagram and Facebook and all those things, all those, all those people that you see regularly on Instagram and TikTok and YouTube, they're all making millions
1: and millions.
2: Are they really? Uh, yes. What?
1: Oh my gosh, go look it up. Forbes actually um, did like the past couple of weeks, put out these daily lists of like top um, content creators by like how much they make mm-hmm. and like what they do, who they are, how they got started and things like that. And um, there's like, you know, big names like Jake Paul and Mr. Beast and guys like Dude that. Perfect. I don't know if they're on
0: there.
1: I mean, they make a lot, but I don't know if they're on that list. Interesting. Yeah, Because they're on like, they're top three for subscribers. Maybe the they were, YouTube. I didn't okay, see the I whole list, know. but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like, you make a lot of money hmm. doing, and it's multifaceted how you bring it in, but it was, it was interesting seeing all the different types of things that people do in that space.
2: Mm. Do you think we could become um, content creators?
1: <laughs> well, that's not where I was going, but I am curious.
2: <laughs>
0: now I'm now I'm curious, Eileen, if you were to be TikTok
1: famous for something, what would it be? Hilarious Michigan things. <laughs> she would be literally like the, like the face of Michigan and people would just love the hilarious Michigan things that you, it'd be very like the entertainment focused side of TikTok.
2: See, but like, I don't think my Michigan people would think of me and think, oh, she's such a Michigander. No, but know?
1: everybody else outside of Michigan. <laughs> the it's not for the Michigan people, it's for everybody else. The
0: other 47 okay. continental okay. US states.
2: Okay, great. Thank you. Do you agree
0: with that, or would you do something different? Would you go like a, a kind of like a Bible nerd route? Um
2: that that could be really fun. They do
0: make money. There's no. like tons of pastors and like Christian influencers that are doing pretty pretty well on TikTok right now.
2: Maybe I'll go hang with Tim Mackey and just kind of hop on with what he's doing, you know.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say he's quite in that space, <laughs> but no. but you could be the Tim Mackey of TikTok.
2: Uh, Man. Can we
0: start calling you the Tim Please. Mackey of TikTok?
2: Wow. I mean I'm flattered, truly, but um the I like I can't I do not have TikTok on my phone because I know that I will become consumed. I mean, Instagram's already got me with those reels. You know, I They're just, designed Oh man.
0: They're designed to keep you locked in yep. for as long as possible.
2: Yes. So I don't know. What what do you think? What are Josh, what would you do?
0: See, mine's so dumb because it's been done a million times. So I think I would do some sort of like golf or pickleball or disc golf something, but there's like a million of those out there. So it's like, I don't, I don't get that excited about it. Mm. If it, if it was like, Oh, I'm the first one to ever do this. I go, that'd be fun. But there's my entire Instagram is people <laughs> just like me. So, and that's called an echo chamber. It is exactly, yeah. which is, which is why I have no plans to, to join in on it. Wait, what was your original question? Because yeah. that's what I say. Your original question. Well, I was gonna say these people are just—they don't have to think about money for the rest of their lives. And so, if you—if you found yourself in a situation, you know, maybe you'll marry rich or something like that.
2: Okay.
0: Um, if you found yourself in that situation where money just wasn't even a consideration because you had so much of it, what would be the first thing that you would buy?
2: I would spend it on tuition for a PhD. Okay,
1: <laughs> Jacob,
2: <nerd. laughs> go home. <laughs> <laughs> no, that okay. that is cool.
1: Um, I would hire a uh, personal chef slash nutritionist. Oh, whenever I hear about professional athletes who have those, cool. I'm like, I love eating good. I love trying new things, and if I could just have somebody do all of that for me, that would be the that would be the first thing for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. I think I'd buy it a sweet house in Santa Barbara or Maui.
2: (laughs) Or Maui. (laughs) Oh yeah.
0: I could, I could move to Maui and live my best life out there. So I'm going to be eating these words after we talk through this podcast, but there we, there we go. And so, and so if you haven't been following along with us uh, this whole season, you probably should start at episode one, but let's say you didn't. Uh, We've been talking about, What it looks like to uh, know who Jesus is, to spend time with him, to start to become like him and then do the things that he did. And so uh, today we're talking about how following Jesus changes the way that we view material possessions, money, uh, houses, cars. Hobbies, uh, the way we view how much money we we should and make should and shouldn't make, the way we view giving, what we do with that that money, what does success look like? Even in the business world, should should a Christian's view of su- success in the business world look different than a non-Christian? And so, so what are some of these? I guess you could even call them principles or like how does following Jesus change this perspective on money and material possessions?
1: Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. One thing that um, I thought was interesting the first time I heard it, and I've just heard so many people reference it. And I even, I literally looked up a, um, like a financial firm who's, they're like faith-based and just like stuff that they have on money. And it says Is that- Is it
0: 49 financial?
1: No, no. but shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. I said it. It says that uh, 16 out of 38 parables that Jesus uh, taught about were on the topic of money and material things. Um, the only subject that Jesus taught more about than money, like whenever he actually says money and material things, is the idea of the kingdom of God, which mm. money and how you use that yeah. falls into there. Um, there's over 2,300 unique verses that specifically are referencing money and possessions, um, throughout the scripture, which is like one of the most, it's a very, very laced all the way through scripture. Um, and I think both listening to people who've actually studied this in depth, like as from a biblical theology lens, but then also just like considering our lives, money and like having things and resources and how you get resources that you don't have, like that is literally part of how we live. That's how every culture, no matter what shape or form it takes, is always a part of your life. So it kind of makes sense to me that Jesus would really mention this Mm -hmm. and the Bible having both really like positive directive things towards stewarding it well, building wealth, being generous and all those things, while also a ton of warnings, warnings yeah. about um, just riches and placing your faith and your trust and your life in those um, unique obstacles that come for people who have a lot of resources, um, chasing identity pieces that come because people perceive you having a lot of resources. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's so many that it's almost feels like it's overwhelmingly negative as far as how scripture speaks about money, but there is a lot of positive, And I always think that's something that we need to, <clears throat> I think in the culture we live in principally, we need to hear a lot of the warnings because yeah. we are, that's just what we're saturated in. And
0: we're, it's a very affluent society.
1: Yes, yes. Um, and then, and at the same time for those who are really walking with Jesus and growing maturity in their faith who, just do have a lot of resources look to the positive directives so that we can make sure that you know we're actually doing what scripture and what God says with that yeah um so that I always think of just like big picture framework scripture speaks a ton about it there's a lot of positive and there's probably even more warnings and it's for good reason
0: yeah I think that's a really good point because a lot of times you can read some of those verses and you can immediately just think okay like money is evil, which the Bible never calls money evil. We'll talk about it in a second. It says the love of money is evil, but money itself isn't evil. the The framework I've always heard this put in is that that money is a tool and a test. Like one money money in itself. Like if you if you have you know a, a five dollar bill, you have some coins or I guess nowadays, if you have a Venmo account, <laughs> like what is that? That's in itself, it's nothing. Like it doesn't it's actually basically worthless, but it our it's in our society it's it's a tool to be used for something. And so the Christian one of the Christian principles is that money is a tool to be used for good. Like as Jacob's saying, there's a lot of instruction about how to use money. If you read through the book of Acts, Paul talks about money all the time and about like being good stewards of it. And so one, it's a tool of, you can be, you can use it for, for good or for bad. You can use it to build up the kingdom of heaven, or you can use it to build up your own kingdoms here on earth. And it's also a test. Like it's a test of uh, what we value. I think that's really crazy when you think about when you think about the things that you spend the most money on it's probably a good check engine light Mm -hmm. it's a good indicator of what you are valuing obviously everyone has to spend money on food and clothing and some sort of shelter whether you rent or own but when you start to see excesses in some of those areas it can uh, it can be this check engine light of, hey, maybe you're putting too much value or worth into these things. Just a example for, for me, when we were in Dallas, w- one, all, all there, the only thing to do in Dallas is to eat food. That's basically, <laughs> that's basically all they have there. And it's good food. And so Lauren and I spent our first like three years of marriage just trying every restaurant. And we were in this community group where they're like, hey, we're going to talk about finances. We're like, okay. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, everyone's going to put together their budget from these last six months oh. and kind of have like percentages. Hey, what are you spending money on? And I kid you not, it was like 60% of our money oh. went to food. And we're like, hey, no regrets. Just kidding. Oh. We're, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, we're like, oh my gosh, yeah. that's crazy you know, everyone's got to buy food, but we, I mean, we went way too far in that and we put way too much Mm -hmm. value. It it showed the fact that we're spending so much on food showed that we had made that, you know, we could call it an idol Mm -hmm. in our lives. And so it's a money is a, is a tool and a test. And I think what would be maybe helpful for our listeners is before we talk about how the kingdom of heaven, uh, like being a part of that kingdom changes our view Maybe maybe it'd be good just to kind of do a little analysis of the culture, and talk through how does the what we call the kingdom of earth or what we call just um, like uh, a non-Christian uh, in America, how do they view money, wealth, finances, retirement? Like what is the what is the the gospel that they're preaching about money?
2: Mm. I feel like it's this, okay, accumulate as much as you can and then keep it stored because you don't know what's going to happen in the future. And so you want to be prepared for, you know, if um, a disaster happens, if you like lose your house, you know, like if, you know, X, Y, Z. And so I think it's this mentality of storing up and um, kind of like hoarding that wealth and hoarding those possessions. So you're never lacking anything.
1: Yeah, I think um, with this question, considering where a person in our country and our culture comes from, like their background, um, I know, especially just coming from kind of like the town that I grew up in, it was, uh, it is. Uh kind of more like blue collar, agriculture, labor, like that's very much the demographic, um, the industries, things like that. It's really small. There's not a ton of connectivity or anything like that. And coming to the University of Arkansas when I went to college, I ended up making friends with a lot of people who come from like Dallas, Houston, St. Louis, Little Rock, um, places where it's very connected. Uh, they come from maybe a lot more white collar, if you yeah. will, industries. Uh, and seeing even... Unhealthy views culturally on money from, I think, like, kind of what you were describing, which is, I think, across the board, especially like in media, like that's just what you are going to see all the time. But that's actually a very like affluent, like I am used to money and resources way of kind of perceiving material things. The less affluent, and the the more, like honestly, a lot of the background that I interacted with mm-hmm. growing up, uh, view will view. Money um, and p- especially people with a lot of resources as money as maybe like evil or mm. they they did they did immoral things or like um,
0: they're like shame, sold out to the culture sold out yeah.
1: or or even like they feel there's like an element of like shamefulness because you don't have much mm. and. Even within that, the there's a lack of stewardship and and viewing and using money in a bad way for people who don't have hardly any money, and so it's it's almost just like I, the little that I do have, I just kind of frivolously spend it because it's like, well, there's not there's not that much difference between what I have and not having anything anyway, mm-hmm. and so I'm just going to keep going paycheck yeah. to paycheck, hand to mouth type living and wasting it on things that are really destructive to me physically, mentally, relationally, yeah. uh, and so. I think, it, I think you do have to think about what type of culture mm-hmm. is somebody coming from. Mm-hmm. Again, I think the broad culture is, that's what you're describing. It's like, hey, look at the celebrity, look at just like what you're saying, you can easily make a lot of money now. Um, and there's actually a lot of awesome things that come with that. But the idea that, that that is the norm, like I need to be making seven figures if I wanna be considered successful in my career or business through all these means. Um, that is a ton of excess and you can use that for good but that is not really the messaging usually that's getting put out there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that that's a great great point. I'm glad I'm glad you said that especially with our college listeners. I mean, I know we have a lot of students that that do come from very wealthy backgrounds, but I, even even some of the students that come from wealthy backgrounds, I've talked to them and and to some degree their parents more or less, have been like, all right, you are in college, you are on your own. Maybe we'll give you this kind of stipend, but like more or less, I feel like most college students view themselves as poor or broke. Whether that's true or not, you'll have to decide. But they could, I, I could, I could imagine them listening to this and being like, well, why would this apply to me right now? I may, maybe I need some of these principles in five, ten years, where I am actually have a, a salary and benefits and start trying to save and you know buy a house or do these things. But I think what's crazy is that the people that Jesus was talking to had very little. The majority of the people that Jesus was talking to about money had less than probably ninety-nine percent of of the college students that are listening to yeah. this. And, and why I think that is just incredible is that these are principles that are essentially regardless of how much you make. Mm -hmm. Um, It's talking more about the, 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 the grip and control that money can so easily entangle you with Uh, my, one of my favorite quotes, favorite, because it's like a, it's really sobering is an interview with uh, Rockefeller who was mm-hmm. at the time by far the wealthiest human being alive mm-hmm. and it wasn't even close. There was no close second at the time. And he was doing this interview and he just was kept kept building and building and building these empires and like investing in so many things and his money was making money. And he was in this interview and they're like, so what's, that, what's the finish line look like? Like when is... When will you have enough? And he, and he looks at looks at the interviewer. I don't know. I, I haven't seen the video. I've just seen the transcript, <laughs> but I, I could imagine.
2: Uh, paint us the picture. Yeah,
0: and he says, "Just one more dollar." And that was so sobering for me. This mm-hmm. this guy that, in our terms, if he lived in America, would would have billions, if not trillion, a trillion dollars, and and yet it wasn't enough. He just needed one more dollar, which is something that the like the poorest of the poor can relate to, and the richest of the rich. Just if I just had one more dollar, then I could finally, mm-hmm. you know, be content. And yet, anyone that's been there knows when you, when you get another dollar, just just one more, mm-hmm. just one more, and just one more. And so passages like First Timothy, uh, or is it Second? Yeah, First Timothy six. Mm-hmm. Where it talks about contentment specifically, as it's as it's talking about uh, contentment and possessions and and what you have to eat and drink, it, he says that you brought nothing into this world, you can bring nothing out of this world, um, and so like basically, God, be be content. It says godliness with contentment is is great gain. And so one of the principles for the college students listening to this is that no matter where you're at, maybe your parents, maybe you're a trust fund baby and your parents have given, already given you so much. Uh, I I think in this podcast, we're going to challenge you to to view that money as a, as a tool and a test and to be content with where you're at. And people that have nothing are going to be thinking, well, yeah, of course they can be content. They've, they've been given so much. And I'd say the same thing for those that feel like they have no money, that, hey, what you do have, whether it's money or possessions or time, be content with what you have and, and know that even even what you do have, if it, even if it feels little, is a tool and a test to be used uh, for for good and not for evil. And so what are some other principles that, that if you're sitting across the table from, from a college student that that you would want to tell them as it as it relates to how following Jesus changes our view of, of money?
2: I, I don't know if this would be a principle or more of like a mindset to have, but I mean, I think when it comes to money and possessions, um, we have to remember that, okay, these are not our own. Like these are the Lord's and we are merely the stewards of what he has given us to hold on to for this time. Mm. And so whether you, you know, graduate and from the get go, you're making a hundred K or you graduate and you're like making $20,000 a year, you know, that's where that perspective comes in of, okay, Lord, this is what you have given me um to steward for right now what does it look like for me to do that well what would you have me do with this money that is yours ultimately and and i think having that perspective is so important because when we are thinking oh well this is my money you know like I like, yes, we're working hard, but our perspective shouldn't be, I'm going to work hard so I can make the most money possible. Um, Because I think when we do that, that's when we can so easily fall into that mindset of like, okay, just one more. Like, I I just want a little bit more. I'm going to work a little bit harder. I'm going to, you know, do this so I can go do X, Y, Z. But rather when we're, having that mindset of, no, I'm going to work hard no matter what, because it's going to honor the Lord. And then whatever income or whatever comes my way, I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus. And how do you want me to steward that? Where do you want me to put it? What do you want me to do with it? And I think that's just a really important mindset to, to just be mindful of.
1: Yeah. um, I think all the pitfalls that uh, people can fall into with, materialism possessions putting your you know trust in money and things like that does come from you have alluded to having the mm-hmm. me focused part mm-hmm. when like if you're just going to pull like one off you know scriptures that are talking specifically about relationship to wealth possessions money resources in the scriptures you get principles like like this give generously to other believers to your local congregation support those who are doing gospel work use what you have to take care of the poor and those who have less give what you have to those who have less, Um, do do honest work, earn money, grow wealth for the sake of generations who are going to follow you. All of these directives are primarily focused at blessing other people. Mm -hmm. And so I think a, a large overarching principle that a lot of these fall into is like you said, because we're stewarding these resources, God has given us material resources whether that be physical money, the things that you can buy with it, stuff like that. Um, Not only to meet our needs, but for us to step into that being his image and blessing other people by giving generously, taking care of them. Uh, There's an Old Testament scholar named Michael Heiser who um, was talking about uh, just money and possessions through kind of like a biblical lens, all through the Old Testament leading into the first century. And uh, his take is that believers need to be specifically cautious about all of the warnings to money. And at the same time, follow biblical principles for earning as much as possible and being as generous as possible with it. Um, no matter like what you said, how much you do earn, because you will always know people, whether it's in your local congregation or just in the city you live in, or, you know, for us, we're global now, like con- connected to other um, things that are happening that you can now give and bless other people. Yeah. And you step into that. I am being an image of God by resourcing these things to others. Um, I think that's a really big principle and kind of at the core, that's the, the cultural opposite. It's the, even if it's like, yeah, eventually you do that. It's still a, I'm going to elevate myself. You know, you get into maybe more us cause we're in the workforce right now. And, and you know, like maybe even specifically like millennial, the whole, like nine to five sucks, like go do your own thing type stuff. It's all, it is you centric. It is, I'm going to build my life the way that I want it. Um, And there's nothing wrong with living a lifestyle that's outside of the norm in that way. But whenever it's focused on you, I think we, by nature, will just completely miss the image of God part there. And then that's where you start falling into all of these traps that the scripture talks about with money and wealth and things like that.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's, that's really good. We've been we've been studying through the book of Acts this semester, and we've seen multiple times already, and even just in the first several chapters, where the church sells sells what they have, and anyone that has an abundance, they're they're actively searching for where they're needed, so they give it to the church, and their abundance meets the needs of their brothers and sisters that are around them. This passage in Second Corinthians eight, Paul's talking about uh, giving, and this this church in uh, Macedonia has just caught this like spark for giving. And it says in chapter eight, we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part for they gave according to their means as i can testify and even beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints and this not not as we expected but they gave themselves first to the lord and then by the will of god to us as someone that's grown up in america in a very me focused world and as as like, it's my money, it's my car, it's my house. I read a passage like this and it almost doesn't make sense to me because it's like, it goes against all wisdom that any financial advisor would, would give you. It's saying this church was, it says in a severe test of affliction and extreme poverty gave above what they could even afford, which like they basically gave gave it all away and they begged they're begging Paul and some of the other apostles, please, please let us take part. We don't have much, but please let us take part in, in growing the kingdom. Please let us take part in giving to the poor and giving to those who have need. Jesus gives a parable about the two people that go to give and the, the one lady who gives just like one coin because that's all she had Gave way more than the one that, that gave just like a, a fraction. And so it, it's crazy because there's something that this church in Macedonia understands about the kingdom that me personally, I have a really hard time understanding. Um, that, that it's just, it's a giving should not be like this like reluctant duty like if we truly understand this eternal perspective that we would, we would start to give joyfully. It talks about the their abundance of joy uh, was what caused them to give. And so, uh, and Paul himself says that God loves a cheerful giver. And so I think this is going to sound so cheesy. And so you can just roll your eyes at me for listening to this, but, But what if, as just a tiny step of faithfulness this week, you started to catch yourself every time you use the word my when talking about money or possession. And again, I told you it's going to sound like youth pastor cheesy, (laughs) but I actually think it could be helpful to start changing our perspective instead of saying my money, say, hey, God's money. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying my car, like God's car, instead of saying, you know, my house, God's house. And if we slowly started to change our perspective that everything we have is from God and for his kingdom, I think then we would start to have this same mindset that the church in Macedonia has of just like, hey, like even in our poverty, I want to I just want to be a part of this please let me be a part of this and let me let me help contribute to what's going on in the world e- even if it's not much I just want I just want I want in on this mission.
1: There's a specific time in my life where I felt like I like God was intentionally teaching me something about um, using or viewing the things that I have through that kingdom lens like you were saying Josh like okay I have this thing how do I use it in a way that is advancing the kingdom? Like if, if this was Jesus's, how would he be using it? And uh, mm. it was, so right after I graduated college, um, I drove this like Yukon in college and it was an awesome college car. It had super high miles. The front end was about to fall off of it. Like it was, it, it was tough. I was like, I need, I need to get something different. And I wanted to get a, a truck again. And so I bought the truck that I have now and it wasn't like brand new or anything, um, but it was like in really good condition. Um, it was a Lariat, like all the leather, the stuff inside, red, like awesome, Razorback, you know? Go hogs. And there were, and whenever I bought that truck, there were, it, even then it felt like an, an inordinate amount of people who were commenting on like how cool it was and how nice it was. And I could feel it. Like when they were saying like, yeah, man, like you got a cool truck, you know, stuff like that. And but one of the reasons I got a truck was because I love in the past I've always loved helping people like move stuff. Ily, Josh, you know. I can attest. <laughs> um, I can also attest. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, man, that that actually is a huge reason why I want to have the truck. Aww. And so I so I got it. People started saying that stuff. I started feeling it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then people of course started saying like, hey, you know, I'm moving this house or bought this, you know, whatever. I'm like yes, like absolutely, I'd love to help you move. And there were so many times, especially with people who are like some of my closest friends who I would help them move or I'd let them borrow my truck for something. And and they would like scratch the mess out of it, oh, like gouge no. side of the paint. Like it was all accidents obviously, but it was almost like on repeat, this yeah. was happening. And every single time I saw it, that type of stuff drives me crazy. Yeah. I'm, always, I'm very like careful with oh, stuff yeah. like that. And I would see it and I'm like, Inside of me, anger or like, what is going on? Or the thought of like, I'm never helping anybody move yeah. <laughs> again. Yes. And I, every single time, I would, I would have the thought, like it was like God's mm. spirit convicting me. This isn't yours. That doesn't matter. Why do you wow. care so much about that? That's so good. And it seen it's kind of like a. If to me, it feels really silly because like in reality, it is. But that was an actual like flesh part of me. I could feel the esteem of people being like, look at that guy and the thing that he has. And then my desire to want to use it for God's purposes. And whenever the esteem part got tarnished by scratches and scrapes and somebody hit it or like whatever it was, I had to just like kill that part of me and be like, that doesn't matter. I, if they asked to use it, I should still say yes, even though I keep getting, my truck keeps getting wrecked every time that I do it. Um, but that is like one of the most tangible things where I'm like, I think God was very, very specifically trying to teach me something with this piece of material thing that I have.
0: That's a, that's a great, that's a great example. Mm -hmm. And so for, for any of the, the college students out there that, that are listening again, whether, whether you're living, feel like you're living kind of hand to mouth or you're, you know, You're a trust fund baby. Uh, These principles apply to you. And so what if in the coming weeks, all you did was you started to view the things you had as as God's and not yours, and you viewed them as both a test and a tool and just know that we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. So good luck this week. And until next week, grace Grace and peace. (laughs)